As a teenager, you were controlled and confined by what others demanded and expected of you. In your 20s, you were consumed by what others thought of you. In your 30s, you realized you were still conflicted by what you truly thought of yourself. But now, in your 40s and beyond, it's finally time to live fearlessly, fabulously, and fully you. Let's go. Hey sis, welcome to In the Middle with Myra, and I'm your host, Myra Rollins. Hey y'all, this is Myra. Welcome back to the middle. (laughs) As I was getting ready to record this intro, I hear this loud rumbling noise on our roof or our attic. And we have had the exterminator to come out with traps and he's been in our attic and we cannot find, and it only happens in the morning on one side of my house. But this morning, if, if, (laughs) can you tell that I'm shook up? (laughs) It sounds like there's a 10 year old stowaway kid running either on my roof or my attic. But we can't find anything. This has been going on for months. Okay, I'm sorry. This is Myra, your host, your homegirl, your friend of In the Middle with Myra. And I got distracted. <laughs> but I'm back because it stopped. He's gone. And he probably will be back until tomorrow. So... For real, for real. Welcome back to In the Middle. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, Y'all, have y'all seen the new Gerber baby? Oh, she is absolutely gorgeous. Go Google it. Um, But what is also so wonderful about her is that she is the first Gerber baby in history to be adopted. And we are talking adoption today. And if you know anything about me and my story and my family, you know that um, two of our three children are adopted and we were also foster parents. And if you want to know a little bit more about my personal journey, experience and thoughts and perspective, make sure that after you listen to the podcast to hop on over to the YouTube channel where I talk a little bit more about my own personal information and deets and things of that nature. On the podcast, I try to keep it top line, give you information just in general that relates to everyone. But on my YouTube channel, I always bring it a little bit, a little bit more personal. So check that out if you're interested and I'm sure you're interested. But today we're talking to Jalen Smiley, who has been in the adoption and foster care business for over 25 years. So when I say she's the adoption guru, I mean she's the adoption guru. She knows everything about everything having to do with adoption and foster care. And she would hate that I said that, but it's the truth. So I am getting overly excited to talk about foster care and adoption with you all because it is one of my life's passions. But before we jump into the details, I, of course, would love for Jaylen to introduce herself to you all. So without further ado, here's Jaylen. Hey, Jaylen. Hey, Myra. Thanks for the invitation. This is so neat. Look at you. You know, trying to do some things on the side, you know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So, 
Though I am um, acquainted with you and have been for many years now, um, my listeners may not be. So go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. All right. I'm Jalen Smiley, and currently I serve as the Director of Family Recruitment for a child placing agency in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, CK Family Services. And we recruit, train, license, um, foster, and adoptive families for children that are currently in the foster care system. And then, of course, monitor those placements after a child um, is placed with our foster parents or adoptive parents. But I've done this for 27 years. Oh, my gosh. Wow. wow. Somebody's lifetime. Uh (laughs) Okay. So there's so many different terms. Adoption, foster care, private adoption, international adoption, and on and on and on. So what I first wanted Jalen to do was to give us a basic orientation and just ground and center us on all the terms so that as we dive into the conversation, everyone will be on the same page with all the terms that we're using. So here we go. So there are different types of licenses that families can have when they're connected to a child placing agency, um, including CPS, but also agencies like mine, uh, CK Family Services. So you can either get licensed for foster care, foster to adopt, which is still foster care, or matched adoption. And um, some of the agencies might have private or international programs. But for the most part, most of the families that we encounter are going to have a child placed with them from CPS because that request comes from CPS. They've done the investigation into uh, that child's history and the abuse allegation that's been made. Um, And so we're talking mainly about foster care, foster to adopt and matched adoption. And the biggest difference would be that is in foster and foster to adopt, the state of Texas has guardianship of the child. They share uh, parental rights with that biological parent because those uh, rights are still intact. But CPS is calling the shots, if you will, or the court and or the court because the parents have a service plan that they must complete that's ordered by the court. CPS approves it. It's more than just, I'm sorry, this will never happen again, but a clearly outlined plan that they must follow. And in Texas, they give them 12 months to complete that service plan. Sometimes it'll go over that. I think the state allows an additional six months in some cases, but it has to be approved. It's not a guarantee. So we prepare Mm -hmm. our foster and foster to adopt families to at least have a child in your home uh, for up to 12 months. Uh, It could be a little less or a little longer, depending on the case. The biggest thing that I'll say about foster to adopt is it's still foster care. And there's a misnomer out there regarding families who get licensed for foster to adopt. They think that because a child is placed with them as a foster placement and they have that adoption license, that they will automatically be able to adopt at the end of that time frame that the state gives biological parents. And that's not necessarily so because CPS is still doing family um, reviews and interviews and trying to locate uh, family or fictive kin, a neighbor, church, 
uh, member, teacher even. We've had older siblings even come through that uh, wanted to adopt their younger siblings because they either didn't know about them or they weren't old enough at the time to intervene legally. Um, and so what I call foster to adopt is really foster to foster and foster again until that permanency plan changes because a lot of people uh, feel let down or that we've been miscommunicating or giving giving bad information. And I say we, the foster care you know, industry as a whole, because they thought that they were going to get to adopt those children. And reunification is the goal in every case for a foster home, for a foster to adopt home, because that's the way the state of Texas has it set up. But once- And right, and some families like, choose to not go through CPS or state to adopt and would those be the ones that are considered private adoption agencies? So it's yes. Now it's only when CPS is involved that these licenses apply. But if you choose to not participate um, in a license that is a mom, let's say, making a plan of adoption. She found out she's pregnant. She's not going to be able to raise that child. She goes to a private agency um, and makes those arrangements or goes to an attorney. There are several family law attorneys that handle private adoptions, but the state CPS is not involved in any form or fashion. Um, and then there's also international adoption, which you're at the mercy of the country that you are adopting from. So the rules and the process and the requirements are different because it all comes from that country. So it's if, if, if I can clump it in categories, so it's pretty much, and I know there's even within these categories that I'm getting ready to say, it's probably even broken further down. But for the most part, is it like private domestic, international, and then state? adoptions but how would that be a good way to categorize i would it? say so i just wouldn't put them like in a one two three they kind of stand side by side because it's going to depend on what the family wants to do mm -hmm. and chooses to do um but there are a lot of families who want to adopt that will seek a, a cps agency or an agency that's contracted with them to to adopt infants, but this is different when you're working with CPS in the court system. So we provide that information. We always give out information regarding international or privatized domestic adoptions. Um, but when um, families come to us and say, this is what God's placed on their heart, we try to explain the differences and point them in the right direction. Got it. Okay. So just depending on, you know, the needs of each individual family one of these three might work better for them but it's just very dependent on what you know their needs and wants are what their needs and wants are and also and and this may come out the wrong way but i certainly don't mean it that way but we have families i spoke to one just the other day that said they did seek private adoption but it was so expensive for them and then they heard that if you adopt through the state that the costs are uh, slightly less or you know uh Increased, and that is true, but it is because with a state adoption, children in foster care, that cost and the payments come from your tax dollars. So every, every day that a child is in foster care, your tax dollars are paying for that. On the private side, uh, you are incurring those costs that the state already covers, but families will come to us because they can't afford a private adoption, and then they're 
disheartened or brokenhearted because we are working and trying to fulfill the needs that CPS has when it comes to foster care, foster to adopt, or even matched adoption, as opposed to mm -hmm. knowing that in October, this mom's going to have a baby. It's going to be a boy. And, you know, she's choosing the family in a private adoption. So I just want to caution families there because there is a big cost difference, but you have to look at the community that we're serving in each of those options. So when adoption happens, uh, the recruitment happens, we're looking for a forever family. Once you're matched, and that means once you're selected, once CPS says, hey, you're the family, then you have access to their entire CPS file, no matter how long they've been in care, but it doesn't have last names, addresses, or phone numbers. You read through those with your agency representative, and then you may have a face-to-face -face meeting um, with the adoption worker to answer some more questions. He or she may have questions for you. You have questions for them. And then we have you go home and think about it for a couple of days, and then um, we start or create the pre-placement visit. So this will be the first time that you meet the child. So notice that whole process, I didn't say you'd meet them there. You're, you're basically <laughs> saying, yes, we wanna move forward with the adoption based on meetings and paperwork and a file. Uh, there are a few adoption match events that happen in the area where children are there, but we're trying to reduce that because even though families don't intend to, Families are making promises to these kids and they're going back to the foster home saying, I'm going to get adopted, I'm going to get adopted. But then that family may run into a roadblock that prevents them from getting licensed. And meanwhile, Charlie is at home thinking he's going to get adopted because I just met this family. Um, and no matter how we've tried to put them together, put the safeguards in place, somehow somebody always you know, says something, we're here to adopt you. And so they're trying to reduce that. So a lot of the match events have become paper events, but the CPS worker is there, the therapist is there to talk about the child to potential families. Uh, sometimes they're CASA worker, court appointed special advocate, which is a special person literally appointed by the court to look at this child's case and get to know this child and let the court know what needs they may see. But all the people that are involved in that child's life. But let's say all of that goes well, you move forward, pre-placement visit, so you go meet the child. The other thing about adoption is that it's opened up to the entire state of Texas. So you might be matched with a child in Houston. So you drive to Houston a couple of times, then they'll come and hang out with you. And then once they're officially in your home, like tonight, Johnny's coming and he's not leaving. That's when <laughs> a six month clock starts so that for those six months, you're co-parenting legally with CPS, but Johnny knows he's at your house, you know, forever at this point. And the legal paperwork is happening and being drawn up in the background, and then after six months, you finalize the adoption and Johnny gets your last name, a new birth certificate that lists you as the parent, and now a new social security card and number. Um, and uh, you will uh, close out the co-parenting with CPS. 
So then you make all the decisions. You will have access to post-adoption services that, again, yay, CK Family Services has the post-adopt contract, and we just got renewed uh, for another five years. So we're hopefully, prayerfully doing a great job there. But if something should transpire five years from now, say you adopt a seven-year-old and five years from now, she's 12 and hormonal and just really having some rough days, you can call post-adopt um, and they will intervene. So even though it's a contract with the state, they open up a case, but it's not a an abuse case. They're opening up a case under post-adoption because we received those funds and then there are things in place to support that adopted family because it really might just be that it's because she's uh, dealing with some issues around foster care and her parents and maybe something triggered you know drove by something or somebody said something at school or it could be because she is 12 and sixth grade is hard and girls are mean <laughs> right right but Either way, because she was in foster care, you have access to post-adopt services. And I know that many people have the question of what if it doesn't work out? What if there's something that happens in my home, whether with a kid or with my family to where I no longer want the kid anymore? And that sounds awful, but I know that many of you, many of you would like to know what happens in that case. So the question I asked Jaylene and posed to her was what happens in those cases of a disrupted adoption? And for us, this is when we get the calls that people want to bring kids back. Right, right. And that sounds so awful. And people say, I would never, I can't imagine. But I'm telling you, it happens every day with people that I have known um, personally outside of the agencies I've worked for. Mm -hmm. And it is devastating to that child, to the family as well, but to that child because everybody promised me that this wasn't going to happen again. Right, right. You know? so And you know, I think that is one of the major concerns that... Um, stop people or make them hesitant to even begin the process because their thinking is what if this doesn't work and I get for lack of a better term stuck yeah. and so what I know about um, the process and specifically um, CK having gone through some of your classes is that you provide not only training mm -hmm. but resources to do your best to prevent that so can you speak to that process that makes that um a little bit less likely if process well. Well, it's hard to put into words because any any word you say <laughs> might be perceived as prevention. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to promise or say that all will be rosy, even those of us who follow love God and our relationship is strong because what mm -hmm. we have to think back to is this happens with our own children. Things happen exactly. with our own children. Things happen with our siblings. Let's just say you, you don't have children of your own. You may have siblings. And I know 
some people say there is no way that this person came from the same mom and dad as mine because <laughs> they are out there. Um, and so that's how you have to approach this. None of us knows what will happen this afternoon, tomorrow, exactly. five years. And so our training has been created because we don't use a basic module. We don't purchase a curriculum. Our training was created based on our experience as an agency, but also our families are participating in that uh, training and information that we provide because we've seen the train roll off the track. And because we are trying to, as much as possible, prepare you for, build your toolbox for the things that could happen. But there's no way to what if, what if, what if, because then something brand new <laughs> will happen in a family that we're not necessarily ready to deal with, but we want to be and have our families, both foster and adoption, prepared as much as possible. And as I mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast, there is a distinct difference between private adoptions and adoptions through the state. The distinct and um, biggest overall difference, um, other than cost, <laughs> is that the state's primary goal is to get children back with someone in their biological family or someone that is connected to that family. And so there is a term used in foster care and the adoption system of the state called reunification. It's a very, very important term that if you are thinking of doing um, foster or adoption through um, a state agency, you need to become very familiar with the term reunification. So here is Jaylen speaking and clarifying what that is. Yes, reunification simply means that when a child is removed from their biological setting with those parents or it could be um, extended relatives, wherever that child, whomever that child was living with at the time of removal, they're placed in a foster home and the goal is to get them back to that parent, those relatives, someone within that biological family system. They want to reunify them. But in order to do that, <clears throat> the family parents have to go through a service plan, which is basically this is what you got to do to get your kids back. Uh, that's put together by the court CPS. It's not just a, oh, I'm sorry, this is never going to happen again. But it's a clearly outlined plan that the family must follow. And it could have some anger management classes in it. It might mean moving. It might mean finding a daycare center as, as opposed to, you know, Mary, Susie, and Sally, all your friends taking care of your kids. Um, and the plan is set for 12 months. So a family has 12 months to work through that service plan. And the court and the judges are asking throughout the 12 months. They don't just start saying, is the parent going to classes at the 10th month, they start asking and there are court hearings. So any family in the state of Texas has 12 months to work their service plan in order to reunify, get back together, have the kids come back to the home because during that time, they're in a foster home. That whole 12 months, they're in a foster home. Mm -hmm. Got it. And so then we would move to a process of adoption. And so can you just top line um, outline adoption? Like, is it permanent, irrevocable? This, I mean, what is adoption? 
Yes. So adoption through this system, and I'm glad you asked that because it is different from a private adoption where a mom may find out that she's expecting and she does not want to raise the child. So she makes a plan of adoption. That's considered private infant adoption. Then you have international adoption, but you're at the mercy of the um, country that you're adopting through adopting through CK Family Services and the state of Texas because the state of Texas is the legal guardian and parent of all of the children that we place. Um, so a foster parent is part of the team, but the state calls the shots. If they have to have vaccines, that's what, if the state says that's what they have to do, then we do. If children have to be in school at a certain age, that's you know what the state tells us. And as an agency, we then ensure that with our foster families but when a family cannot work through the service plan or they decide they may relinquish give up their parent uh, parental rights or their family rights or they can't complete the service plan then the parental and family rights are uh, terminated through the court so the family and the parents will no longer have rights they cannot you know, make decisions for the state becomes the full 100% guardian of that child, then they are looking for an adoptive or forever family. And some of you may be aware that my husband and I were foster parents for about three years. Um, and we had, I believe it was 12 children over the course of those three years. And I could go on for days telling you about all of my babies, but what I wanted Jade Lynn to do was just speak um, a little bit about what the normal foster care um, child is like. I know that we all have our own um, perceptions and thoughts and maybe some preconceived negative notions, um, but I wanted her to clarify that. You know, that these are children that you see, they go to school with your children, they're in church with your children, they're at the library, they play. They're not these demonesque, monstrous, gremlin-like children, which, right. uh, you know, for years, the movies and, and television shows portray children that way. That's not it at all. You may know some children who are in foster care and may have no idea, you know, unless they're with a different race parent. Than, and then what they are. But for the most part, we're wanting to just, and I say normalize, put a picture of a child. Think about your kids. Those are our children that are in foster care. These are not, they didn't get placed in foster care because of their behavior. Ladies, this is one of those episodes where um, there was so much information that there is no way that we can um, condense it into the 25 to 30 minutes that In the Middle with Myra original podcast drive to do. So what do we do? We post the full unedited version the next day. So if you are interested in getting more information on um, state foster and adoption, please tune back in tomorrow. Jaylen will go into some great detail on programs such as treatment level children. Um, this is where kids have greater behavior or emotional needs and um, the provisions and assistance put in place for that. She will also go into um, <clears throat> a demographic of children who 
are at risk and who will age out of care. That means that they will reach the age of 18 without having an adoptive family and what resources are available to those kids and what the need is and how you can service those kids. So tune back in tomorrow for the full unedited version. Also, don't forget to um, flip over to the YouTube page where I talk about my own um, specific interactions and my own experience with foster care. You'll hear about um, a pretty tough time for me where one of the children that I thought I was going to be able to adopt was reunified with one of her families. Um, You'll also hear about my two children that I have now that were adopted and what their stories are. So lots of information on the YouTube channel. So don't forget to flip over for that. Also, if you haven't already signed up for the website, I mean, not website, email list on the website. And always, always remember, ladies, that getting older with style and grace, it is not easy, but somebody has to do it. So why not you? Let me flip that. Why not us? Why not you? And choose to make today a great day.